Good evening, yeah. hello, and welcome to the Ratchicated Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am one of three, Donnie, and kicking it to my co-host, Petty. What up? Petty Teddy here, and I'm kicking it to Shada. What up, y'all? Shada Kiss. Mwah. So, we coming to you this week, and we want to start out by talking about our ratchet moment of the week. I'm going to kick it out first to Shada Kiss to tell us, what is your ratchet moment of the week? Well, y'all know I'm still with them people, um, and so... This week, um, the Plantation Saga, um, it's so funny when someone sends out some type of memo, um, some type of information to all employees or to a batch of employees, and they someone gets in their fields and puts their fields like they're in their journal and replies to all. And then it's a trail of replying to all. And people just saying stuff like, where do I work? It made me ashamed. Like, this is why it has to be the end soon. Because I just do not know just where this pe- where these people come from sometime. And Get you living in your nerve. last days. It's just the nerve. It's ratchet. It's educated. It's everything that is today. So that is my moment. It didn't happen, but not too long ago. But it is my ratchet moment. It's fresh mm-hmm. in my head. I'm going to hand it on over to, come on, Donnie. My ratchet moment of the week. So, you know, I have a plethora of siblings (laughs) and, you know, I have two sisters that are older and one of these two sisters happened to find herself in a Mexican hospital with pneumonia and COVID. And is sitting in this Mexican hospital with her earbud in, with the translator on, on her phone cussing the nurses out and telling them that she knows what they're saying about her and i'm like ma'am these people control your food and you are in a foreign country right they control your meds like what is wrong with you that you want to go crazy or do you want something to be done with you you know and you don't speak the language you're using a translator are you sure the translator is accurate because like what if you think they're saying something that they not like ma'am this or they got slain. Right. Slain. Like, so that's my ratchet moment of the week. My my siblings who are crazy, who gallivant about the world or whatever city they're living in. The other sister is currently living in a halfway house slash rehabilitation center. Not because she has nowhere to go, not because she is homeless. But because all the offers for somewhere to live were not up to her standards, then that standard being easy access for her to go have a cigarette when she wants to have one. (laughs) My ratchet moment of the week is my siblings. Yes. I'm just going to leave that to Jesus and let him take care of them. And Mm. that's going to be that. So, Teddy, what about you? What about your ratchet moment of the week? Oh, man. So first of all, I'm going to say men are hell. That's what I'm going to start off mm-hmm. by saying. Men are hell. H-E-L-L in all caps with an exclamation point behind. <laughs> so my ratchet moment this week. I've been fighting the cold, right? You can hear it. Congestion still up in there, right? And this person knew that I had had a cold. A really nasty one. It, it wasn't too bad, but it was nasty. Anyway. So I get a text. What's up? I'm, what's up? How are you? Uh, I'm all right. Not feeling the best. I'm okay. What you got on? What? 
<laughs> so that was my that was my react. What? What you got on? Mm, a blanket? What's under the blanket? Huh? You asking what's first of all, you know I'm sick. Why are you asking what I got on? And then you won't ask what's under the blanket. Okay. I would have told him Vicks Vapor Rug. <clears throat> so mm. then I was like, shorts. And then there was a follow-up question, what kind of shorts? And I said, you know what? I'm done. I, I didn't respond to nothing else. I left it alone because I was like, you know, I don't feel good. We've talked about this. We've talked about this. And not just to that day. Before that day, I've been sick for like a fucking week. <laughs> Why would you think it's okay to ask me what I got on if I just said I'm under a blanket and I don't feel good? Because he is filthy McNasty. I'm going to need you to go into the cold shower <laughs> and use your hand and play with yourself and leave me alone. Be <laughs> McNasty. Go be a filthy McNasty with yourself and not over here. And the thing is, I've already made it clear, ain't shit happening. <laughs> so I don't know why you asked it because ain't nothing happening. <laughs> ain't nothing going on but the rent. But the rent. Little <laughs> said something in the lines of helping you instead of helping me. <laughs> I said, that's not going to work for me, beloved. So that was my ratchet moment for the week that, uh, yeah, men are hell. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. <laughs> however, I'm with you, however, comma. <laughs> we know you have different reasons. I am a man. <laughs> however, comma. I mean, I can't disagree. You know, I deal with that person that I call my boo and my man, and he get on my last damn nerves on a regular basis. Uh, right now, he's not on my nerves because he got a fever, so he can't do shit because he's sick himself. So, you know, I like him that way. He ain't too feisty right now. <laughs> I think I'm free from becoming a skin suit, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> I think I'm free from that. <laughs> <laughs> we gonna talk about that because Teddy got an ex that every time he come up I tell him do I need to call the authorities do I need to come check the house That's how soon do I need to come over and look Is is he, gonna be he really like, do he really does like, it's not even a joke he really does <laughs> he really goes he takes me and be like good <laughs> that is a shame this dude is crazy Deranged. <laughs> right, Martin. <laughs> he little I know, Apparently, so I know how to pick with him. <laughs> one of these days, I'm telling you, one of these days, it puts the lotion on its skin. <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. But <laughs> I know who you need to look for, though. <laughs> So, like everybody would point to him as the person. <laughs> you know, there's several of us in your life that'd be like, Shady Kids, there are several folks. We all know who did it. If he ever come up missing. Okay, that's real. We you know. all know who did it. And he ain't but five fucks. <laughs> but he did it. Scrum dilly umptious. Just... He oh did it. I don't know what evidence you need, but I promise you he did it. <laughs> so, topics this week. Speaking of crazy exes and partners and trying to figure that whole thing out, Indonesia just said, y'all can't sleep with your boo no more if you ain't married. Y'all cannot be living in sin. You can no longer be having your conjugal visits with your 
non-spousal partner. Yep. Whether you are a tourist or a person living in Indonesia, you know, and some people like we we shared a Twitter feed between the three of us where some folks were applauding this and saying that this was a good thing. Like fewer unwanted pregnancies. We ain't got to worry about abortion. We ain't got to worry about ABNs or STDs anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do y'all think? Is this a... Is this something you see going over here? Something you uh, want to far avoid? What do you think of these folks that are applauding this measure? So first of all, my thought was when I seen the people that were commenting saying that, I'm like, first of all, y'all minorities yourselves and you are constantly under oppression. So you think it's okay to oppress other people? <laughs> and given the number of black women that are unmarried. <laughs> The number of black folks that were in the feed talking about, yeah. Wait, but all of y'all would be going to jail. All of them. And you're an immigrant. I, was like, I didn't what? understand because it was a large, like a large of the comments that were supporting came from men and people of color. And I was just like, men, y'all, y'all always horny. Y'all always want to see some titties or something. I know you're the last person to be trying to tell somebody that they need to be trying to act like they ain't having no sex. When y'all y'all shooting up places because you ain't getting no booty and you go tell me that you support. <laughs> shooting up entire clubs, starting groups called incels because they can't get laid. <laughs> having whole protests and marching because right. they ain't got none. But you know what? Maybe they're thinking that if you make it weird, you can't have sex without getting married. Everybody gonna be more amenable to marriage, and everybody gonna want to be married because everybody want to have some sex. Like mm -hmm. you know, everybody horny. So is everybody gonna run out and find somebody? I think a lot of the men want some sister wives. I think that because of the country, they might feel like they can have more wives, and so they're looking at it on a standpoint probably differently. Some of them may be looking at it in that right. You just never know because it is a male dominated. So they um so they might think that they have more of a benefit with being able to do it that way maybe I don't want say, one wife i'm not trying to have five i Ooh. will say a lot of the large responses i was reading were <coughs> americans responding so they were here in the country that already stripped abortion and everything else right and who knows what's next are supporting another country putting in oppressive laws on their people while we are still fighting for freedoms here and having them snatched when we wake up in the morning. But Teddy, that's another, that's an interesting perspective because that makes me think then are these folks that were plotting that as upset about our abortion laws? Are they really upset about some of the things that are happening? Would they really actually be okay with more governmental control mm. over our bodies? Like... So what's funny is I read a comment that specifically said, this is an American, they know better. Our government knows better over here than to do something like that. And I scratched my head and I said, are we living in the same country? Right. <laughs> because are, do you not watch the news? Do you not read like a newspaper, like nothing, online articles, nothing? Because I'm like, <laughs> disconnect. I was like, what do you mean our country knows better? They clearly don't. <laughs> At the all, is causing me cognitive dissonance right now. <laughs> like, I, 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 I literally scratched my head. I was holding my phone and I said, "Do we not live in the same country?" Because I'm like, I, 
I thought I lived in the United States. <laughs> Some people in the United States have the freedom to be ignorant. So, well, this person was one of us. <laughs> and they probably really don't understand the law and how lo how laws are not for them anyway, so they need to be mindful. So, I mean, you you do have to be ignorance of the law does not get you out of anything and so sometimes True. we just don't realize just because we don't know does not mean that we're not held accountable True. Um, that's scary so. that like folks are so unaware though yeah. like do we really have friends and family that don't know that florida you know don't say gay you can't you know, they've, you know, banned any kind of representation in the schools because they're worried that the kids are going to be influenced or, um, you know, these places that are banning CRT. And really, it's not even CRT that they're teaching in the school. <laughs> it's just common history. It's like, you know, but mm -hmm. our people don't know that that's what's at stake in these elections. And so they just chilling like they don't. Part of me feels like a lot of them don't want to know. It because if you if you know better, you got to do better, and that mm -hmm. means accountability. And I'm sorry, accountability is like the thing you want to avoid in lots of communities that we all share. There's many <laughs> communities we share in circles where accountability is the word that is fear. And they're like, "What do you mean responsibility? Yeah, you did it. You did it. Yes. But the only thing I'm asking you to do is show up and vote. Like, what responsibility are they? Like, I'm not saying that I don't agree with you, but like, yes. realistically, what are you afraid of? You, I ask you to show up once every year and a half, two years, like on a random Tuesday. You don't even have to go on Tuesday. You can go early. Like, I think... What they're for me, this is just now. I'm just speaking from Petty Teddy's opinion. I feel like the fear is one I would have to change. It it cha it would challenge mm. everything that they probably already hold dear and that they believe your and value system. If yeah. you if you have to learn how things really are and not what you want them to be in your flowery world, but you learn how they really are, you are now responsible for changing the world around you. Mm -hmm. lots of people don't want that because they love the bubble that they live in and the ignorance is bliss we all know Three. ignorance is bliss to lots of people so i think that's number one right there um and then i also think it's you have a responsibility to teach which means you have to value other people and we know that is a really big thing we don't do we don't mm -hmm. value each other a lot I mean, look at the, the it, you know, we don't, I'm not going to jump all the way on this side of the thing, but look at the senseless shootings and deaths and things that happen. We don't even value human life. So we don't value one another. If I have to face the reality of things and that would cause me to actually have to value the person next to me, that also changes my worldview and who I am. And I think a lot of people don't want to value because especially in our country, we teach individualism. It's you, your bootstraps, pull them up. And I'm like, folks ain't got boots, they ain't got laces, they ain't even got nowhere to stand. They <laughs> like, and it, we we focus so much on the individuality that we have lost the sense of community though we want to say we're part of a community, we don't always act like. Um, right, I say amen, Petty. I'm with you on that. It's just scary and I, I, I worry about it. You know, but that kind of also spills over into another thing that we wanted to talk about tonight with private prisons. Like that California, there was an article that came out recently, you know, mentioning that California just shut down their third private prison. This last election, there were a few states that voted 
people said slavery was on the ballot, but really what they were voting on was private prisons and, you know, the use of labor within pri mm -hmm. private prisons mm -hmm. um, and that they don't pay inmates anything near a fair wage nope. when they're using, you know, private prison labor. So, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. When we talk about private prisons, like, what are we thinking? What's our current concern? How does this affect the community? Should we give our, our listeners a little bit more background on what private prisons are and like how they came about? Like, more or less overcrowding in prisons, it's cheaper and quicker for a corporation to throw up a prison as opposed to a municipality. If a municipality wants to put a prison together, they have to go through a vote, they have to go through allocation, and then they have to go through bids and all these other things, and it takes a long time for it, get, for it to get built. The city that we're in is currently building a new justice center, and it's projected out for quite a few years, whereas if a corporation was gonna build this same place, they could have it up in two, three years max. Like the one on what, the southeast side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. So private prisons have come into being and have become, you know, I don't want to say dominant, but have become a commonplace because overcrowding. But the problem with private prisons, they themselves are overcrowded. A lot of them are built, you know, one-man cells, and they've got two people in them. They hire in folks because they're not as well closely regulated and watched. They hire in folks at lower wages who are less skilled, less trained, less prepared to be in a prison handling inmates. Yes. Further, there's also judges who have been convicted of being paid to sentence mm -hmm. young offenders who really didn't do anything, offenders who were picked up for school truancy and they're being sentenced to prison. And yep. it's more or less so that these judges can be paid to supply free labor to yeah. these private prisons that are then, you know, prison the labor for Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, the Biden administration had put out that they were you know, going to start unwinding private prisons. The Obama administration, as a matter of fact, had put out that they were going to uh, divest from private prisons federally. And what we noticed at that time was that the stock market for those private prisons went down. Trump came in, reversed the decision, the stock went back up. Um, and then anytime that it's mentioned that we're going to start reducing the prison population or legalize marijuana, and now not have as many people being incarcerated, we start using those private prisons to house immigrants that are picked up. Um, I wanna say undocumented workers. I was looking for the right word there for a second. Um, they're using them to pick up undocumented workers and house them in these facilities, which again, are being ran by folks who are not trained, not mm -hmm. properly there. And again, if this is a corporation, what is the goal of a corporation? To make money for its shareholders. That is, I, as an MBA holder, as a business major, that is the purpose of business, is to make money for the shareholders. Um, so when we look at private prisons and we look at how to make more money, you either have to increase the capacity and the number of people being served, or you have to cut costs. <clears throat> Their strategy usually is twofold in doing both. Yes. So that is the current state of private prisons in America here today. 
So what are our thoughts? Anything that we're thinking about private prisons? What's up? Let's talk about it. Shady kids, kick us off. Um, well, I think that, like you said, it's about money. So uh, many people are um, getting rich off of that. And they do get paid pennies on the dime um, for the, their labor. Um, I have a brother that's been in prison for, um, I believe he got 60 years for selling drugs. And that's more than a pedophile, um, more than a, you know, um, a killer, a murderer in certain rights. And it's just like when you have someone who's going through the system and you know how they glorify it, you know, in so many ways. And that's some of the things with, you know, our, uh, you know, our rappers and different things of that nature. It's, it, you know, it, it can go so deep when it comes to the investment of private um, prisons and how many people that we might respect and know who are who are invest in private pr prisons. And so it becomes a product. So you have to find ways to market. And like you were saying, not legalizing marijuana because there's so many people who have convictions to the point where um, in Oakland, they literally were letting offenders out that had marijuana charges and those who were put placed into prison for selling drugs in the Oakland neighborhoods, they were given um, they were given dispensaries to be able and a certain amount of money to be able to start a dispensary in their way of you know settling the debt that they caused all those men, huh? Like restitution. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they, you know, just in dealing with when it comes to how people benefit off of it and. You just know that it means no good. So there is no, there's not going to be any type of reform in that matter for the prisoners in there to put them to make sure that they're going to be um, to come out and be able to be citizens and productive. And so with that, when it comes to the private piece, that also gets taken away because just like a private institution, you don't have to go by the regulations and the policies, every the chalk line everyone else has to walk. So that's the same thing with the private prisons. There's so many things that they are able to do to those prisoners, with those prisoners that benefit, you know, just all types of levels of labor. Um, and it's just unjust in a certain sense and unethical. The unfortunate um, thing about it, 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 prison is no longer about reform. I don't know that it ever was. It's about no, punishment. It never was. And they separate people from society as some form of punishment. And but control. really, should we not be doing something about, you know, actual rehabilitation or fixing the problem in the first place? Crime is usually, we've we studied it. We have too many criminology schools and scientists throughout the country. That was, that was my major in school undergrad. You know, too many who will tell you in a heartbeat that poverty produces criminality and not that you equate the two, but the situation that people are living in causes them to do things to survive. Yep. People do things to survive that might be petty theft or petty crime that lands them in prison. So... Why are we not doing something to fix the root cause as opposed to spending more money on locking them up and funding tax, you know, using taxpayer money to make stockholders money like that? Just I, I think, think it's it, social engineering. I think, reason, I think the reason why we won't do that is because then we would have to admit that there is a systemic issue. 
they would have to admit that they are part of a system that is doing this, not just in prison, but in every aspect wow. of society that they have been denying for so long, they would have to admit to it. And we know that they don't want to. <laughs> and that just, uh, you know, towards Black America, but yeah. America as a whole. Yes. Towards yes. people of a certain socioeconomic background. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's more socioeconomic than racial at this yeah. point. Yeah. But, it, but you cannot, but we also remember you cannot remove race from the socioeconomic. Like race can, plays a huge role in that still. I just want to make sure our, our listeners understand, like, you cannot, they, you cannot pull the two apart. They 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 are hand in hand. They are it's constructed that way to be that way. So. You know, especially when disproportionately you have a certain population that is kept at that level. Yes, the, the average earnings for black men currently are is less than fifty thousand a like year, two thousand or something, somewhere in there. So I mean. <sighs> It's not that the two are equated, but there is a certain situation that exists that has to be acknowledged and addressed at the same time. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, you know, and then you look at the, the whole system and there is no interest from our elected officials to change that whole situation. Because if we're using the private prisons to then house undocumented folks when they're picked up by ICE, it's, there's no incentive then to fix the immigration problem at the border because we still need to make sure that these private prisons have somebody to serve and to lock up so we don't want to fix the border like it's almost a cyclical i'm not trying to be a conspiracy a conspiracy theorist but it's a cyclical because it all boils down to money and it's grease in my pockets too i have no interest in fixing immigration i have no interest in criminal reform because at the end of the day hey, I've got stock in it and these private folks, you know, have their own lobbyists who are at my door every other day. And we are so attached to our guns, our military, our police, <laughs> our power. As a country, we are so attached to these things that if we try to change anything that those things affect, then those things would be changed as well. <laughs> and we know they don't want to do that either. <laughs> I mean, I, I have the solution. We go Indonesia route. We go ahead and say no sex outside of marriage, no drugs unless you're a parent. Because I've had some people argue to me that the only people that deserve to be high are the people with children. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and, and make that a law too. We'll make that the baseline and we'll see. Unless how you can get a medical card. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And when you have a baby, you're like, here you go, ma'am. <laughs> Unless you can get a medical card without having a child. <laughs> here's your baby and here's your drugs. <laughs> right. Thank you for your service. I bet there'll be no kids needing to be adopted. <laughs> that might oh, solve the goodness. adoption problem. I think it depends on what what uh um what drug it is because some some drugs uh take control of the situation, right? <laughs> yeah, some drugs. I but then you have people that. adopted ten kids and somebody that's had ten and get none of them. That's the tr okay. That's the truth. True. That's true. But Come it on. is it's, it's interesting to think about because I can't. You know, going back to your comment earlier, I don't think prisons were ever designed to reform because let's be honest, I, our country doesn't believe in reform. Like we still 
punish people that have a drug charge from 1980. And, you know, I'm going to use this short story. I worked in a job one time and the role that I played was that I helped people find jobs. <clears throat> I helped connect them to services as well. I had a client that had a drug felony from 1981. I was born in the mid 80s. So it was before I was even born. It was 2016. And this man still could not work in certain fields from 1981. Yes, never had no trouble after that. No other legal interactions, nothing. That was the only one. It was a felony charge. He <clears throat> served a little bit of time, not even a lot. I think he served like two years or something like that. It was really short. And then like did probation for like another, what, three years? Cause was it five? Is five like the minimum or something like that? And I think it was five, five years later, he's still paying for it. Still paying for it. I mean, like smart as all get out wanted to go into the medical field very capable like i i i, I could tell you he was very capable of going into the medical field and probably doing amazing things um and i'm like from 1981 before i was even born and you still can't even pursue a dream of yours or even better your life because we don't believe in giving people another chance another chance unless you're white <laughs> I mean, but that goes back to another conversation that we had about how we don't like to give people another chance. When we were talking about Chris Brown and, you know, him being booed at the music awards, he was booed because people are still holding a grudge about the situation with Rihanna. Should he have hit her? Absolutely not. He had no business putting his hands on her and doing any of that at the time. He should have walked away from the situation. But that was how long ago he's apologized. He's shown some contrition. What else are we wanting him to do? Or once people make a mistake, do we ball them up and throw them away and they, we're done with them permanently? We're, we're done that whole cancel culture. You know? I, I don't know if it's so much, because I've been thinking about that before we even met today. I've been thinking about that since we talked last week. And I feel like, I don't know if it's so much if you make a mistake versus we don't believe people can change. I don't know how many times I hear people say people don't change. And I'm like, yes, they do. If they will change. Yeah. I'm like, I'm living proof that somebody can change. And Donnie can tell you from when he met me to who I am now, I, there's a difference. <laughs> Some things are still the same. I'm pretty consistent, but I have grown. I have changed. I have healed. I am a different man now than I was six years ago. So you can't tell me that people don't change because I'm living proof and looking at my own life that I have changed. And I feel like that is a large part because I hear that so many places, people don't change, people don't change, they stay the same. No, they do not. You choose to stay in those circles with those people who choose not to acknowledge that they need growth and that's why they don't change. If we're mm -hmm. sending people to prison, you're keeping them in an environment where they cannot grow because you're not giving them anything to grow from. Like you said, Donnie, they separate them from society and society changes. I had an uncle that served in that was in jail for 10 years, got out. The whole world changed. 10 years, 10 mm -hmm. years. Went in when my baby sister was seven, got out when she was 17, and the world was nothing like he knew it before he went in. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing given to him to prepare him before coming out. So it was shell shock when he got yeah. out. And not that, I mean, not saying he shouldn't have did what he did because he shouldn't have done the shit that he was doing. But anyway, you there should have been some type of preparation it shouldn't have been 10 years straight in prison maybe you do three and it was drugs it wasn't like you killed nobody it was drugs right. it was like 
why is there no, why are we not acclimating uh, people back into society? Why are we not setting them up with jobs? Why are we, you know, and then you don't want to give them a place to live. You got so many restrictions, like they can't live in certain places. And I'm like, mm -hmm. then what do you expect them to do? Because you're putting people in a hopeless situation and telling them have mm. hope. No. <laughs> yeah. You yes. know, I taught in the prisons. I taught in a minimum and a maximum security prison for a year. Okay. And one, it was the most rewarding experience I have ever had in teaching. It was very different from teaching on campus. Teaching folks who are incarcerated, who are trying to do something to better themselves versus teaching privileged college students whose parents have mandated that they go and be there. It's a whole different ball game. But when I was teaching in the prison, one of the things that I observed and the conversations that I would have with the guys at the time, prison was making them better criminals. They were locked up mm -hmm. with other folks who were incarcerated and sharing information and stories on how to not get caught next time. Yeah. Like they were in prison, still getting high, still getting drunk. They taught mm -hmm. me how to make bootleg tomato whiskey or wine. Hooch in, in the toilet. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I learned so much during the time that I was teaching in there. One, I learned that I do not belong in prison. I will not cut it. I will not make it. It's not for me. It's not my life. I, I, hey, <laughs> more power to y'all that endure it and make it out. God love you. I can't do it. However, <laughs> the, what I learned, they they <laughs> they are separated from society, but at the same time, they're not that separated. They they're just locked up and being denied access to everyday life. They're being denied access to freedom, but there's no rehabilitation taking place. There's no you know, and the recidivism rate, the way that we operate prisons prisons right now. <laughs> we don't give them a choice but to go out and reoffend and do the same thing. Yes. There are folks that I know who are ex-offenders, who can't get jobs, who are living in hotels, living hand to mouth because they can't get a job and they can't find regular employment and nobody wants to give them a chance. Yep. And then to add on to that, we have no clear lines for resources. People run in circles because I worked with ex-offenders. And let me tell you, the amount of hoops that they have to jump through to get basic services to live a basic ass life is mm -hmm. ridiculous. Like, why are you jumping through hoops to have somewhere to wash your tail, to eat, right. to go to sleep, to change your clothes, to even be able to get a phone call for a job? Like, mm -hmm. why are you jumping through hoops to get the basic things in order to be successful in life after coming out? These should not be hoops. These should be things already prepared. And mm -hmm. I don't understand why we expect people to navigate these complicated ass systems that are put together by people who've never been involved in a system in the first place. And if I, if hopelessness put me in the situation to do the things that got me locked up, putting me in an even more dire situation when I come out is only going to lead to me doing what? The same right. shit that put me there in the first place. Like... You ain't taught me nothing else or showed me nothing else. Right. So and then I also look at, but then I, so when I look at that, there's that, but then I also, it, it leads me to understand why people 
go back to like using drugs because if you're in a hopeless situation, this is gonna make you feel good. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so it's a cycle. Like you said, like it's, you were keeping people in the cycle by trying to say, we trying to break the cycle. No, you're not. <laughs> but I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a moment because there's our listeners out there who, you know, are from small town, rural America, uh -huh. where a lot of these places are located, where they put a lot of these private prisons. Yes. And it's a job. It's bringing you know, money into that community. It's giving them somewhere to work, somewhere to go. So what do, if we shut down all these private prisons, what do we do about rural America? We've devastated them several times before. We're just going to leave them again. Shade of Kiss, you're from Richmond. It's not necessarily small town, small town rural, but it's not the biggest town in Indiana, you know? Mm -hmm. So it affects those kinds of areas. What what do we do with a place like Terre Haute if we get rid of Geo Group or, or Greencastle? That's where our other one is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Um, well, and I just feel like there is, there's a, a million ways to make money. So I don't think that there is a solution. There's not money to be made in the solution. So that's no different than hospitals. We can go over and over all the ways that make sense, that are logical on how we can stop people from having to be in terminal um, illness from, you know, you needing so much medicines and going into the drugs and different things of that nature, because it all really ties together. But again, that's what uh, Petty was saying as far as the system. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, um, but I do... Um, however, I do find truth um, in all of it. And it's just a fine line, a slippery slope. You know, you can go to extreme with anything. Um, so that's the only thing where I feel about the conspiracies. They go to extremes to where it's not having that perspective. Like you were saying, there's different point of views with this situation. And I do think the money factor, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of ways to make money. So to get those small towns no different than they took away the because Richmond was not wouldn't be impacted by um, a private prison but they are impact they were impacted when they shut down all of the um, factories to take them overseas and things and we went through a devastation. However, that pushed people to go to school, get other trades, and different things of that nature. So there's a will, there's a way. They're going to make sure certain people are going to always make sure that there's an option for worker bees because there's stuff that other people just not going to do. So they're always going to make it a way. They'll start, you know, I work at one of them type of places where they'll come up with stuff to get people to work. They'll throw free, get the certificate, they'll give it away when they want to give it away because they need worker bees always because they're not about to do it. They're not coming off their high horse about to do no street sweeping. They're not doing no building. no high. They ain't doing some of that stuff. So some of it, they have to have somebody do it. And that, that's where they'll make the rural people because again, they ain't going to the hood making sure that those people are supplied and they're devastated. So again, it's all about how the system wants to play it because they'll make sure the rural people have a way, even if they give out government checks to the farmers, which they do for their land, for their windmills and things, they'll find a way to get money away. It just won't be labeled and talked about the same way. However- really understood the welfare in this country, Shady Kiss? Yeah. And coming from a, a predominantly white town, that's you why I'm telling you- there's so much money out there that's on the table. It's just not on the tables that we sit at or that we're around to divvy it out. Um, I had a situation today where it's 
confirm someone cannot have this. They cannot do this. This is the policy. As we talk longer, politics a little bit. Next thing you know, well, I, I usually don't do this, but I'm going to do it. That let me know. It's always, it's just who you know, because people will make provisions and make uh, and make a way for you if they want to, even if there is a rule in place. Well, I don't do it a lot. It's, you know, she kept giving me all these disclaimers, but it was like, but you do it though. And had I not stayed and talked to you long enough, this person wouldn't be able to utilize this benefit to get their degree. But it's funny though, you, you got it in your pocket for who you want to have it in your pocket for. So it's just like things like that. It's no different um, on a grander scale on what you were saying on the impact, but there is no money in solution. So we just, you know, they make money off the problem. And a part of the private prison is they allow us to be conditioned to be in certain lanes and for people impoverished, people who are um, minorities, we look at value kind of externally. And so as long as they keep shiny things and lifestyles pressed in our face, you're going to always have people doing shit that they shouldn't be doing to try to try to be able to attain these things. And it's going to keep prison, you know, it's going to keep people in prison as long as the laws are set up the way that they are. It's like everybody works hand in hand to make that money. Well, I like will say lawmakers. So the same article, though, also talked about that they have a plan in place to serve that community that the prison has been shut down because there is a town that, you know, supplied the workers to, to the prison. Uh -huh. <laughs> same article. And like they have a plan to help this community still thrive in some type of capacity. Like they're not just leaving them high and dry. I think hopefully paying these folks more money than they were making at the private prison because they weren't being that paid. Would, that, would be, already. that would be a blessing if they did. <laughs> but I feel like this is part this is also part of a larger conversation that we tend to avoid when we talk about <laughs> abolishing policing. Because there's a lot of strategies on how to still make sure that communities are taken care of mm -hmm. they'll make money without policing being the way that it is which feeds into our prison system and i feel okay. like people want to people don't want to hear that because uh, like we mentioned earlier you got to do better when you know better and that means you would have to and also you have to value people and their humanity and we know lots of times people of color ain't seen as human even just the way they write about us and the words they use we're not even seen mm -hmm. as human beings even if you want to take it outside the context of a criminal justice system healthcare, they don't even believe we have pain the same way so you know it's it's you know so there, there there's a whole lot of things and it's like until we are able to have those conversations and understand y'all keep increasing the budgets for policing but yet crime is not decreasing you're giving them these billion dollar budgets to do what Nothing, because nothing is changing. Things are actually getting flipping worse. People going and shooting up clubs and folks ain't even bothering nobody. You got mm -hmm. Proud Boys cutting out power to a whole fucking town because you don't want a drag show to happen for people 18 and up. Not even children. 18 and up. Grown people that have to pay and have an ID to get in. And mm -hmm. you blow out Transformers. So it's a whole community. Kids, people in the hospitals ain't got no power, like just without power, all this other stuff. And it's like, but we don't have these larger conversations about these things that could really change the trajectory of our country, our people, our towns to even be something greater than we even imagined because we don't even want to come to terms with what's happening doesn't work. So stop trying to do the same thing if it's not working, baby. Throw my money at it ain't going to solve the problem because clearly that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, but. 
You were talking about that night. I was thinking about my own police department. You know, I live in a suburb of the city we're in. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure like a couple years ago when they put out, you know, what the money was av- allocated for in our police department and what they had bought and that our police department, I think, had a tank or had put money into some kind of like armored vehicle that I'm like, wait, we're in a suburb. Why do we need an armored vehicle out here? Like, what do you do? Military grade weapons. Why do you need military grade weapons and an armored truck, truck, car, whatever? Like, what for what purpose? <laughs> we see them moving about on the highway all the time. To do what? Like, that's what I say. To do what? Like, where's the transparency? Because there isn't any. And right. you know, I and and that's where I get a lot of issues. And then when we talk about you know uh, prisons and things like that, because it just it it irritates me because there's so many other things we could be doing that could be so much more constructive that could yes. better our society. And I'm not even just talking about black people. Our entire mm-hmm. society Man. could be bettered in so many ways. But because we got a few that don't want to acknowledge that you are ignorant as fuck. And yes, I said fuck. And 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 get out the way so that people that can see the future can actually get in and put the work to, to do something for a better future. You don't see future. You see present. You see money. You see problems. And you see how to keep the problems going so you keep making money. I want people I that see the future. See present, they just see money. I want people that see the future. I want people that see they see communities being whole. I want to new towns being built. And like, there's so much of our country that's underdeveloped that we could, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so much that could be done that we just don't do because people don't, are not forward thinking. They all I see is green, like you said. And let's keep the problems going so the green can keep coming in while we are literally crumbling. <laughs> what to do with all this office space we're about to have from everybody going remote. Okay. There's buildings everywhere that need to be used for something. It's a true but- any parting thoughts tonight on prison, private prisons, on Indonesia, on, you know, putting me in charge so that I can implement some crazy laws here? Um, final thoughts. Let's I got see. Bruno over here staring at me. Our, uh, Wrap it up, homeboy. Our mascot is like, uh-uh, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> hey, he is giving me the evil eye right now. Oops, sorry, Bruno. Uh, you, um, I just think the the whole tie is greater conversation and um, on a higher scale. Um, and I just really think that it is a lot of things are systemic, and we are we are going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable for a while and having conversations that um, are going to move us forward and not keep us still. Um, I think it's a I, th- I do think it's a choice that we have to make. Um, and we need to band together because we do, uh, and when we look at humanity, have more commonalities than we have differences. And we need to quit allowing those that benefit from um, our blood, sweat, and tears to separate and divide us um, because there is power in unity. And I think that a lot of times we're all saying the same thing, but just in different ways because we're individuals. <clears throat> and being educated people, I think that's something that we have learned to be able to do is deal with differences and still achieve. So I think that that's one thing that I feel like what we do here and having these conversations from different perspectives, but on the same, um, on the same thread, I think is what our audience needs to help push conversations when they're in their tribes. Absolutely. Teddy, Teddy. So I'm just going to give you a bullet point list and I'm going to keep it real quick. 
Number one, abolish the police in the criminal justice system. There is no, reform is not possible. That shit needs to be blowed up and we need something totally different. That's number one. Number two, do the work. Stop having conversations because guess what? We could talk in circles all day long. Get out there and do the work. Go on Google, buy some books, research, join some groups. I don't care. Go do the work. Stop talking and stop sitting and just twiddling your thumbs. Go do the work. Number three, accountability. Accountability is not division and it's not divisive. All we're doing is asking for you to take accountability for your part in making things better and what you've contributed to making things worse so that it can be better with an understanding that we are all trying to start somewhere to make this better. Accountability is not division, baby. So stop trying to say we're being divisive when we are just telling you own your shit. <laughs> um, and then number three, I'm sorry, not number three, but very last one, value each other. We are all humans. We all come with inalienable rights, right? So treat people as human beings. Value one another. Okay, just because you don't like somebody don't mean that you shouldn't value them. Everybody deserves value because they're a human being and they breathe and they live just like you do. And that's all I got to say. Right on, sir. Well, I'm going to tell you, first of all, educate your brothers, educate your sisters, Talk to them, tell them what's going on, make sure they know about the laws, make sure they know about how things are impacting them, make sure they understand why they the importance of voting. They don't have to agree with you, they just need to know what's